You there, Mark? Yes, I am. All right, great. Well, I appreciate the time, guys, and I uh, want to get into the new music and obviously the show at Canyon Montclair in our neck of the woods and look a little bit in the rearview mirror and get your opinion on a couple things. But let's start off with this new track. Thank you, Ira, for the radio edit so we can say holy F for about the news. Yes. <laughs> Tell me, was that uh, born out of the pandemic or had that tune been sitting around for a while? Tell me about the history of holy F. Well, this song uh, was put together at the beginning of the year, so it's kind of, yeah, I would say it's a culmination of, of coming out of the pandemic. And, of course, Mark had the original lineup together, and they bailed on him, and we threw this new, awesome, phenomenal lineup together, and it was just kind of like a, a whirlwind. I threw the music together, sent it to Mark, and he was like, oh, my God, that's incredible. This has uh, got to be the, the new Bullet Boy song. So uh, Mark put these awesome lyrics to it, and we just cranked this thing out and brought this whole new energy you know, it's like, well, the old lineup quit, so we couldn't go with nostalgia. So we just come out of the pandemic swinging with the new Bullet Boys 2.0. Definitely has that modern feel, but go ahead and touch on it, Mark. Me and I got together. We, me and I have known each other for many, many years, and we've been wanting to work with each other. And uh, when the original guys quit and basically left their fans and myself in the lurch, it broke my heart. I didn't know what to do. Me and I were, were already working on a project called Secret Weapons of Love, which we are still working on, which is a rad new project that um, myself and I are going to be hopefully putting out for the latter part of summer. But we started talking and I was like, just going, listen, man, why don't we put out something that's just rad? You got all these songs you wrote for the new record. I have tons of stuff that I've written. And he said, listen, listen to this riff. I wrote this tune and I'm listening to it. And it just was like, rad and so dangerous i love this let me put my lyrics let me come up with the melodies and figure this thing out it just turned into this really amazing exciting tune and then it's also matching up with what we're putting on the record we're bringing it a bit heavier for this band in this times and to answer your question yes it did come up something brilliant came out of this plague and pandemic which is batman and robin me and ira (laughs) um, putting out music that's going to really surprise people and the reaction from it, I was talking to Ira, called him, I said, you know what, man, I haven't seen a reaction like that from a song since we went to, uh, you know, terrestrial radio stations and we were playing Smooth Up and people hadn't heard it yet. Wow. So that reaction, you know what I'm talking about, brother, that facial expression, mm-hmm. they all had it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I haven't seen it in a minute. When you're touching people's hearts like that with music um, and you, you don't know how people are going to react to it, but they're reacting in this really positive uplifting, like, you know, just like the place just erupted, you know, type of thing. We worked really, really hard. We're working very, very hard, diligently to put out something that uh, is not cookie cutter, that has danger in it. That's pushing the envelope a bit for us, for a band from supposedly the latter part of the 80s. And it's new and it's fresh. And I'm really, really extremely excited and I feel very, very blessed with the situation with the four of us, myself, Ira, Brad Lang, and Fred Aiken. Yeah, dude, I got to touch on that. You have a beast as a drummer. Fred is an animal back there. How did you meet him? How did you meet him? Uh, Ira Black and uh, Jessica Chase. Ah, Ira Black's the man with the the little black book, it sounds like. He knows everybody. We do the ultimate jam night show at the Whiskey, you know, uh, every Tuesday. Well, now it's every other Tuesday after the pandemic here, but uh, we have a lot of musicians come in and play with us. It'd become a regular, so he just became a go-to guy. Ever since we met him, I'm like, oh, we got to bring Fred into everything we're doing. Phenomenal. And I'm curious, Ira, is that you doing like the heavy chorus on the new tune? What do you mean where it says, I want to know? That is Ira. I figured as much. It didn't sound like Killing you were. It. Yeah. It was very different. Sounds so rad. 
Very modern, too. It epitomizes the feelings of what we all feel right now. You know, we all want to know what the F is up. What's going on? What's happening? <laughs> That's what it's all about. Summer festivals and, and arenas, you know, it's like, well, what kind of music do people want to hear? Something that they can sing and express themselves. So stuff like that, you know, just super hooky stuff where it's just like, you can hear the whole audience just singing, I want to know what, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. You know, that's what, where our mindset's at. And you and arena men- rock. You had mentioned it, too. I was kind of curious. So we are working towards an album. Is that going to be this year or next year, you think? Definitely this year. Right, Ira? Oh, yeah. Love it. Can't We're wait. We're working like mad scientists in the studio right now, bro. And I know it's funny, but we are. And uh, I just have to give props to my brother. I love Ira Black with all my heart. He's a diligent and beautiful musician who took, we've taken this ride together when things, uh, when I've taken a lot of heat on social media, which I don't understand because I've, I've done nothing but try to put out my heart and soul and love to everybody with music, with new music, with touring all these years. Uh, my father passed away uh, from COVID and I had to take a little time off because I was, I've been grieving my family been grieving, put my foot back in the stirrup and jumped up back on a horse again. And there's Ira. And let me tell you something. Ira Black produced this also. He's an incredible producer who's been stuck in, like all of us, for three years, locked down, and uh, has come out like a phoenix rising from his ashes, becoming this amazing producer on top of it. And we've we both become these, oh, man, just with all humility, we've become better musicians, I really feel, through this whole thing. And uh, he'll send me something, and I just say, it's awesome. There's nothing like, oh, I don't know about that, or that's not really working for this project. There's none of that. There's, let's go, that sounds great. Next. Love so it. we have a common mindset with that. And uh, from the last record uh, from Out of the Skies, uh, which was bringing the band further into into the now and into the future, this album will also be doing that and hopefully accomplishing that. But we're also going to be diving back with a couple shuffles and some things possibly that we haven't heard. But uh, also we're, we're going to be doing a remake of a song. And I don't really want to go into too much the specifics, but Ira just sent me the track that we're doing. And it just sounds just like it's like holy F. Wow, what is this? This is amazing, you know? So I'm not that I'm tooting his own horn, but, you know, sometimes you just got to put out love for the people that you're working with. And I feel very graciously excited about what we're doing, the four of us, and the musicianship and the class and the fun that we're having right now. It's just, it's, it's really rad. Absolutely. And, and love back at you, Mark. I mean, working with Mark has uh, just been an incredible experience, you know. It, we have so much fun in the studio, I know, but I mean... Every, totally! You know, of course, everyone has fun in the studio. I mean, you're making music, but... Right. Sometimes it's always up to par, you know, sometimes you got to fix stuff. But with Mark, it's just incredible. It just everything that comes out is just gold. So it's been really just incredible working with Mark. I mean, thanks. Yeah, no, you know, here's a, we've been through so much, me and him, and been around a lot of non-believers in our talent. We're kind of like from the island of the misfit toys. So <laughs> we're working, working on that to put something out that people wouldn't normally go like, uh, I just heard the new Bullet Boys track. I used to not like those guys. Now I love those guys. You know, it's like, you know, you know, hopefully people dig it. Well, I can't wait for the whole album. And I was curious, are we going to get to hear uh, Holy F or any other new songs live when you guys are in the IE in our market at the uh, Canyon Montclair on July 22nd? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, we just debuted the song uh, the other night at the Whiskey. So it is now officially part of our set. So, yes, you will be hearing this song live. And it's a lot of fun to play. Uh our our record label, Rock Avenue Records USA, Lou and Marianne were there and they said, you know, because we opened up the song, they said like the first 10 seconds, people were just kind of like quiet and just standing there. And then all of a sudden, they just all just 
you know, sprung to life. They're, they're, yeah. they're a little bit nervous, you know, because it's yeah. the song that we signed with them. And, and they're like, okay, is this song going to go over? And they said for the first 10 or 15 seconds, they're like, uh-oh, because everyone's like, what, what is this? Because it's a song they haven't heard yet, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they just, we saw it, man. People were just freaking out over it, so... Yeah, they went a lot, nuts. A lot of fun to play live. And we played our first song, too, and that's that's not very easy, to say the least, you know. And that night at the Whiskey, there was a lot of snafus happening with sound and different things that, you know, we just plowed right through it. And I'm really proud of the band. We sounded great, and it was just a lot of fun. Do you have a problem? Is it easier or harder as time goes on, Mark, to, to put together a set list? Uh, I, I think it's easier because... You know, you have a lot to pick from. I would like to actually do a lot of the B-sides of, of some of the older stuff, but there's some stuff that needs to be retired. I mean, we have so much new stuff and different songs from different records, from Tencent Billionaire, Elefante, from Out of the Skies. I mean, from our new record, we're going to want to play a lot of those songs. Well, but... We've already added a, a, a few of the older tracks that uh, people yeah. haven't heard either at all or in a long time. We're already yes. doing that. So We're actually that... doing a song from Acid Monkey. Totally. And I, I think we've had a lot of long talks about how to navigate, you know, and our big part of our goal is to, you know, kind of rebrand the band in a way, you know, and, and, yes. and do, do some different new things that you haven't seen before. Like, like the other night, we also had Emily V come out and play violin with Mark for Switchblade Symphony. We had backup singers. We had Paul Stanley's uh, singer, uh, Kitten, singing with us. And, and uh, your sister and uh, and Holly were singing with us. They're called the Pistolettes and stuff. So we're, we're going to be bringing a lot of new things to the live show over this next year. And we're going to really blow people's minds with it. That, well, that's our goal anyways. Well, great. I can't wait to see you guys at the Canyon Montclair. And just kind of curious, looking in the rearview mirror, Mark, you've been a SoCal guy. I know I already, you're more North. Cal, but Mark, being a SoCal guy, any any memories of early shows in the IE or growing up and going to shows as a kid? Any any Inland Empire memories stand out? Whether it's Riverside, San Bernardino, any way out east? You know, if I talked about it, I'd have to probably commit Harry Carey. I, I can't I can't talk about those kind of things. <laughs> Some of the old Bullet Boy shows from back in the day. I think it was '91. Uh, I saw. Bolt Boys played with Ooh. Ozzy, and I think it was Allison. Oh, yeah. Or, or, and I was like, wow, man, that must have that was some the, of the stories uh, you must have about some of that stuff. That was the Tower Theater in, uh, in Philly. Yeah, that was uh, that definitely a show that still is talked about. In fact, uh, yes, very much so sometimes. What happened was, you know, we were killing it on MTV. We're number one on MTV, and we did some shows with Ozzy, and this pay-per-view show, we came up, and there was just a bunch of dudes in the audience, and they weren't feeling us. <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted Ozzy. So we actually won them over at the end. But at some point in the show, I, I told them that where the exit sign was and they needed to split if they didn't dig it. People just tell out to me like they go, dude, that's the most raddest thing. I still see that. When you, when you told people to get the F out of here, that was just so punk rock. So, yeah, I mean, you know, back in the day, if you really want to get into it, I mean, we were, we thought we were like four or five different bands in one band, and that was the Bullet Boys. And our thing was that, you know, I had a very punk rock base. I grew up in punk rock music. So did Lonnie. Jimmy did. Mick, maybe not necessarily. But, you know, we grew up seeing bands break their equipment all the time. And one of our favorite bands, of course, was The Who. And they did that all the time when they were young. So we had a, a pact of that after every show that we would just bust up all our dish. We did all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons sometimes people would come to see us and go, man, you got to come and see this band, Bullet Boys. They bust up all their stuff after they play. And we were just really rowdy and, you know, just 
for real, definitely for real, for real, because back in the day, you had to come with it. And it wasn't this, what we live in now, which is no disparaging thoughts or things about any other bands, especially kudos to the bands that are making it right now. This is a very difficult business to be in. But man, just some of the bands that just, maybe I am a bit of an outer statesman, but I would like to hear some stuff that's fun and and for real. When we heard um, Velvet Revolver, you know, that was for real. You know, I get it. Guns N' Roses, Metallica, you know, just bands. I know it's bands from the past, but it's just like when you heard this band, you went like, wow, they're just not trying to sound like anybody. And I love that. A One lot of the bands are playing the tracks now, you know. And yeah, the man. bummer about that is you, you don't get the human feeling. You know, so they want a perfect show every night. It's like, hey, every once in a while we make a play a bad note and we play yeah. it off. And it's no big deal. And that, that's called being human, you know. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, yes. I used to really trip me out i'd be so hard on myself but at a certain point i said you know what it's human man it's rock and roll i mean if if uh you break a string or you trip or you hit a bad note uh oh well keep moving on and yeah and it's gonna make you play harder and better you know what i mean it's like and as a fan yeah, those, are, I, those are the shows that you remember the most when things didn't go exactly as planned you know what i mean as a fan oh, those, those are the ones you remember yes yeah, those are the best ones <laughs> uh, uh, almost all of them <laughs> Totally, dude. Listen, if you sound too perfect, you're just not punk and roll to me. I just, uh, I don't know. Listen, kudos to the bands that are out there and doing their thing, but no tapes, no, you know, we do the real deal and that's how we roll. And I don't want to do it another way. To me, it's just, I don't know. It's just not rock and roll, man. Not at all. I'll, I'll tell you why we don't play the tapes. Number one reason, because Mark doesn't need it. <laughs> oh, thank you. He, he no. can still sing, you know, and unfortunately, you know, as people get older, it, it, it's harder. You know, your body is your instrument when, when you're a singer. Yes. And if you don't take care of it, I mean, some people, nope. it's just the luck of the draw, too. You know, you get older and your body just True. messing up on you. But, you know, Mark's fortunate and still got it. You know what I mean? So I'm so blessed. I mean, we talk about it. I does all the time. I'm so blessed that my voice is stronger than ever right now. Still you sing like I can. on the new song right before the solo and during the solo. Like, oh, I know. Everybody's been going, how come you don't sing like that anymore, bro? Dude, like, come on, like, man. That's my guy, right? All right. One thing I did want to touch upon, Mark, you had mentioned Ozzy before, and, and you had some time in, in the Ozzy band as a guitarist. I wonder if you could talk about that a little yeah. bit. I was very, very fortunate. When I came into the business, I would say my mentor that brought me into the business and into Hollywood is, was Greg Jeffria. And Greg, before he was in Jeffria, he was in a band called Angel. Mm-hmm. So growing up in Monterey Park, Montebello area, LA, downtown area, Angel was a big thing to us when we were growing up. They were just like, they were the good kiss. They were the guys that dressed <laughs> in white. And, right. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I met him and he introduced me to a lot of people and he introduced me to Ozzy. One morning I got a call. I'll never forget it. About eight o'clock in the morning, I was living with my mom and dad still. And uh, he hollered at me and said, listen. Greg did. And he says, I need you to come up to my house like right now. I said, like, are you okay? He says, no, I'm fine. But I need you to come, bring a guitar, bring your amp. Don't ask any questions. Just come up here. And I was like, well, anything he told me to do, I would do. I said, okay. I go, you're really serious, dude? You're not playing with me? He goes, no, no, no. Mark, get your ass up here right now. I need you to play for somebody. So I was like, okay. So I went up there, killer pad that overlooked uh, Hollywood. And I walk in and there's Ozzy and Sharon. And I was like, what? Because I was like, he didn't tell me it. Then he goes, <laughs> he goes, Ozzy, this is Mark. This is the kid I was talking to about. He goes, oh my gosh, I just heard your guitar playing. It's incredible. You know, thanks for coming over. And he goes, would you mind playing a little bit for me? He says, do you know any of my songs? So I was like, yeah. So I started playing Over the Mountain and he was just sitting there ecstatic. 
like just like freaking out. So and Sharon was really happy. And then I started playing some other stuff. And he goes, just play whatever you you know want to play. So I, I used to work on the solo. So I kind of did this solo thing that I used to do. And he goes, well, I'm completely blown away. It's exactly what Greg said. I'm looking for a guitar player to play in my band. Do you want to come and you know, rehearse with us and, you know, hang out. And it's like, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so he, he took me underneath his wing and, um, uh, when I rehearsed with the band for I, I probably about a couple months and they basically hired me to start touring in Europe. And, uh, it was really an amazing experience because Ozzy was so sweet and so kind to me. And so was Sharon. And he was very much like a teacher, like a rock and roll professor. And would pull down screens and show me film of Randy playing and, you know, walk up to the, you know, to the, uh, the screen and point out, you know, look at right here, his fingers are moving this way. Come here, look, 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 you know, but he really showed me a lot of things that Randy was doing that he was able to show me that were either on videotape or straight film, which was incredible to say the least. And he made great breakfasts and put big chef hats on and cooked me food and stuff. And he was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome to hear. But yeah, no, Sharon was great. And then, you know, I, it ended up didn't happening. I had waited for two or three days sitting there in, in the living room of my parents' house. They never picked me up. No car, no nothing. Called me three days later. And Sharon spoke to my mother and said, listen, Mark can keep everything. We're so sorry, but we're going to pick up a guy out here by the name of Bernie Torme. And he's going to be playing guitar for us. Uh, Ozzy loves Mark, but we just think he's too young right now. And we're just getting over Randy's death. And, and Ozzy keeps on telling me all the time, Randy and Mark, they have these similarities. I don't know what it is. They're just so kind and sweet and blah, 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 blah. And I, I don't want to, you know, you know, Ozzy had called and talked to my mom and, you wow. know, all that, you know. So it's like, you know, they were very family oriented and they were just, I don't know, they were just going through it still, you know. So they ended up picking up somebody else and, and that was it. And after that, Stephen Pierce, he found out that that didn't happen for me. And then he hired me and I became the guitar player in rap. And how, how long were you in rap? A <laughs> uh, long time. Wrote the first hit song called You Think You're Tough. Myself, Robin, and Steven. Wow. So it was be- it was before... Uh... Warren. Warren no. Martini. Warren Martini. No, Warren. Yeah. Uh, Robin Crosby was the original. That's who I wrote the song with myself and Steven. Wow. Yeah. So it was even before him. But yeah, we, do, we played together and Steven was awesome. I still love him like so hard. You can't even imagine. He was the guy that really started me and got me into something and showed me how to do what needs to be done to get signed. And he worked diligently in rap. Every single solitary day was rap. Every day. He was an incredible businessman. He was a businessman. He still is. He knew what he was going after. And, uh, and then one day I came to rehearsal and Robin and him came outside and said, listen, we're going to go with Warren. Uh, his parents have some dough and, you know, he's going to be doing it. We think you should get into your own band. You're way too talented. We love you, but we're going to move forward. And that was it. <laughs> but we, I got to see them and they became really, really huge and inspired me to do what I did. And uh, we did what we did. So all's really good. And I, I just, Steven's one of my close pals. I call him on different things and chat with him about business and sent him an EPK for a new video. He was very, very excited and really excited for our new single coming and dropping. And just, yeah, a lot of great musician friends that me and Ira have, uh, uh, have really been, uh, oh, it's really supportive, Ira. Uh, that's yeah. such a, that's such a, like, whatever word to use, but they've just been, you know, our strength is saying, you guys can do this. Now listen to the song. You guys are blowing people's minds with this. Keep on, you know, keep on doing your thing. So. 
And, and oh. here's a side note. Raft's not a band anymore. They're officially retired by what I hear, and Bullet Boys is still out there. So look at that. I mean, yeah. everything happens for a reason, you know? Kind of curious, when did you decide to put down the guitar and pick up the microphone? Had you always wanted to sing and just the guitar was the first way in, or did you have an epiphany, or what was the decision behind that? Uh, to be honest with you, I've always been a guitar player singer. I grew up playing in the backyard parties. In fact, just a real quick note, where we're chatting on the phone, I had an assessor coming out because he's assessing some property that, that I have now that my family owns. So he's a gigantic Bullet Boys fan. I mean, he's completely starstruck while he's walking around this place, <laughs> but he used to see me in the backyards. So he was just like, man, I, you know, I saw you. I grew up with you guys playing pack parties, Pasadena here, Monterey Park in my high school band. So that's what I always did. I played guitar and sang. But when I dropped the guitar, well, I always say give credit where credit is due. Uh, Lonnie Vincent was the guy that got me to drop the guitar. Ah. He told me we were, he wanted me to come in and sing for King Cobra. And I was very reluctant to come and do it because I was totally not into the band, didn't like the music. I wanted to continue doing what I was doing, you know, playing. And I had this really cool project I was working on. He said, listen, comments in the band. I know you can just drop the guitar and be a front man and come in and do this gig. It pays really well. Even if you don't stay in it, at least come in and, you know, you'll be playing with me. And, you know, the guitar players are rad and I think it'll be kind of fun. So I went in there, dropped the guitar, started being the front man of the band. And just, I felt a little liberated when I did it because I've always had the guitar on and it made me feel a lot freer to just do what I do. And how I grew up with James Brown and amazing, you know, performers, Michael Jackson and what have you. But yeah, that was... That was what got me to do it. <laughs> Drop the guitar, right. dude. Come out and make some dough, bro. <laughs> and glad he did. Glad he did. Because then we, we yeah. never heard it from you otherwise. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much. I, in fact, it's so great now because nothing against the other lads that I played with, but I can drop the guitar and, and feel really comfortable because Ira Black is there. He plays like three guitar players. It's pretty simple and enables me to be the front guy, which I love to do, and just concentrate on the mic and, and just singing and performing. Being the ringleader. You know, and that, oh, yeah, that opens up the whole thing. And Ira also says, dude, when you get on the mic like that, it's just like, you know, <laughs> it becomes this other thing, you know. So I'm really excited about being able to do that. And uh, other than, you know, the struggle of, uh, we're kind of like, you know, starting over again, but not starting over. But uh, what we have achieved, all of us, new management and the people that are, that are around us, new record company, uh, I see a lot of light at the end of this tunnel. A lot. Bright light. Last thing I got for you guys, I appreciate all the time, but uh, we're one of those old school radio stations that does mandatory Metallica every night at 10 p.m., which you guys are going to be a part of. So kind of curious, especially two guitar players, kind of curious if you've ever rubbed elbows with them or picked up a riff or two from Hetfield or Hammett. Uh, Talk to me about your love for Metallica. Well, check it out for me. I'll I'll start with this because I used to play in a band called Heath and I joined the band in the late 91 back in the day. And uh, the singer of the band, Dave White, was married to Kirk Hammett's sister, Jennifer Hammett. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, yeah. So the band had a a deep connection with uh, Metallica over the years. You know, they grew up with them and stuff. And and, uh, when I joined the band, I moved from Sacramento to San Francisco. I was living with the other guitar players family for a while. They're from Russia. And, you know, after about six months, they're like, hey, uh, when's this Ira guy going to, you know, get out on his own? I was 21 years old. And (laughs) so I I ended up uh, having to leave their house. Well, Dave, the singer, happened to be in a little bit of a split with Jennifer at the time. And Dave's best friend was Kirk growing up. That's how he met Jennifer, I believe. And that Kirk was 
was letting Dave live at his uh, Berkeley Hills house, Berkeley Hills mansion. And uh, he, he called up Kirk and said, hey, Ira needs a place to stay. You know, you mind if he stays here with me too? So we're staying in this beautiful multi-million dollar three-story house in the Berkeley Hills for about eight or nine months. So rad. Uh, so that was cool. He, he had all his stuff there, all his, you know, monster paraphernalia and stuff. I was staying up in the attic room, which was, you know, turned into a really nice space. And I actually had a real, uh, a track reel to reel and my stuff set up. And I was writing a bunch of music then in that house, you know, on, on reel to reel. I have to buy tape, literally tape. And <laughs> I was recording songs there and he had stopped by a couple of times and got to hang and stuff. So that was really cool. That's a great story. How about for you, Mark? Well, I would say that's a great story, Ira. I love that. My story would be, first of all, that I love James Hetfield. I love him so hard. He was a big champion for the Bullet Boys when we first started playing and would come to all of our shows when we played up north. Wow. He would come walking in and he would hang with us, uh, love on us, drink some whiskey and beer with us, and stay there through the whole show. When we started playing up in Frisco. We played at a place called the Stone Pony, and he was always there to come and see us. Wow. That's awesome to hear that he's supporting yeah. you guys. That's great. He said that our that record just numbed his mind because he didn't think a band could come out like them and, and sound and have the sound. Wow. And goes the sound that you have and Ted Templeman and he says this is this record's going to last forever. We laughed because he goes no 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 listen to me because he's like you know and he was that's young James with his mustache, handlebar <laughs> mustache, full, full of piss and vinegar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like the real deal. And he's looking at us like with that look in his eyes and I, it's kind of scary. He's going, <laughs> dude. So I'm telling you right now, don't f this off. This will be for the rest of time this album i know you idiots don't know it right now but i'm telling you this is one of the greatest rock records that i've, I've ever heard wow and he won lion so, he was right you know it stood the test of time i love metallica back in the day my place to go was the troubadour because the front bar you could the hottest chicks they were, <laughs> you know we were all young so bartender knew his name all the big stars used to hang out there and when metallica was first starting that's where they would hang out they would hang out actually with uh with my at the time she's uh and they were very, very close friends and they would hang out all the time. And, you know, I, I remember going to a show where this, this band called St. James, they were like supposed to be the next band to get signed and Metallica was like open up for them. Oh, wow. It was at the whiskey and it was like St. James and Metallica really tiny. It's like, what the hell's <laughs> going on here? And they, like, they were from up north. So they came down here to Hollywood and, and used to hang out with all of our friends. And, you know, everybody at one point used to hang out with them and they were really good people. They were, you know, like real full thrash band though when they first came out. Yeah, dirty. It was, it was like like something that you've never heard before. You know, it's very, very dangerous. They didn't care. You know, Cliff Burton's in the band. And, um, you know, Cliff, for all intents and purposes, he was the guy writing the songs yeah. with, with James. So it was a whole different. And I, I just hail Cliff Burton, dude. That guy was just like, wow. Yeah. Still to me, I just see, you know, you see some of this footage of him playing and, and uh, some of the footage of him talking about the writing of the band. And he was so focused. That's what you need. If, it, if three guys aren't focused, if you have one guy that's focused, great. If you have two, that's even better. Three, oh my gosh. Four, you're gold. You're going to have success. Now comes the tough part, though. You guys got to pick a tune for Mandatory Metallica. What tune can we play for you for Metallica? I got two, but if I were, go ahead. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I, I go to the early days, you know, something like Seek and Destroy. Is the, I, I play that song a lot live. And if you're a guitar player or a musician and you play that song live, you will get Metallica in a nutshell. You, yeah, of course we like listening to it, but you play it and you go, wow, there's something to this, the, the, the way that just that, 
that show you. Of course, I have to go to Master of Puppets as well. That, that oh. that's the album that really blew my mind when I when hey I got now. that that was like a yeah. masterpiece. That that was like classical music mixed with heavy metal. Yeah, when mm-hmm. that came out, we were me and all my friends were just like, oh my god! Like check out Damage Incorporated. Like the riffs on that are just insane. You know? Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Nice. Yeah, that's their that's okay. my favorite album. But how about for you, Mark? For whom the bell tolls, yeah. that will be mine for today. It's very apropos for what we're doing, me and Ira, and that riff still to me when I hear it, and and uh, James's voice. From the bell tolls, time marches on. What a man! Come on, y'all. That still is just unbelievably rad. That guitar tone, Ira, right there. Oh yeah. And Lars is playing. Wow. On Ride the Lightning on that this, oh. that record comes off. I heard that, ah. but when they were recording in the studio that they put, Come on. that they had four Marshall cabinets, which is sixteen twelve inch speakers, and they mic they mic'd all sixteen speakers. <laughs> That's the story I heard. <laughs> wow. I believe it. Pretty rad, but yes, no. Wow. And please, if James, if you ever hear this, shout out to you, James. Love you, brother. And uh, please know that the Bullet Boys are always open to open up for Metallica. No matter where you want, please get us, and we'll, we will come out there and do our business. We would be honored. Love it. And now I oh, now yeah. I think I need to hear a, a For Whom the Bell Tolls cover on the new album, huh? Let's make that happen. Oh, damn. Stop it. After you singing that little bit, I'm like, oh my God, now I need to hear that. I need to hear Mark singing that tune. That'd be sick. Go ahead. You're awesome, brother. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much for the time. And I uh, can't wait to see you guys out there at the Canyon Montclair on July 22nd. Sweet. Yes. Come on. Let's do some Let's do some snaps. Sounds great. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Safe okay, travels out there. Care, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.